Welcome to 32 Questions, our interview series with politicians to delve into their opinions, policy positions and their interests. Over the next few weeks, we're focusing on the candidates in the upcoming Dublin Bay South by-election, which is very juicy and you're going to enjoy all of our coverage on that. Um, tell us about Lynn Boylan, Andrea. Well, this is your life, Lynn Boylan. <laughs> Lynn Boylan is a Sinn Féin senator and formerly an MEP. Having studied both journalism and environmental conservation, she worked for the Irish Wildlife Trust in Kerry and in environmental education in Ballymun and served as chair of the advisory board for Safe Food. It's an eclectic career overall. With Leo Bracker framing this by-election as a battle between his party and Sinn Féin, and Sinn Féin framing the election as a referendum on the government, is it possible that Dublin Bay South could elect another Sinn Féin TD and put its centre-right and right-wing political path behind it as a former stomping ground of the PDs and Lucinda Creighton? Will Sinn Féin get the vote out amongst younger people in the constituency in an election that's increasingly too close to call? And what does its candidate think about everything? You're about to find out on 32 Questions. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, okay, Lynn, here we go. Are you ready? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I've been what doing is, my homework. <laughs> what is your current state of mind? Oh, uh, anxious, I think. Yeah, nervous anxiety just around the election. And it's a by-election, so there's nowhere to hide. So, yeah, it's a little bit more intense at the moment. What do you consider your greatest achievement? Um, I think probably the Stardust Inquest and that campaign was probably the, the biggest achievement um, that's, I suppose, tangibly made a difference for, for people. So, yeah, so that and just being privileged enough to go on board on that campaign and to, to get that new inquest for the families. Are you happy to be running in Dublin Bay South rather than Dublin South West? Um, I'm always happy to be running in elections because, you know, they, they allow you to kind of set out the, the politics, but also to engage on the doors. I just I love being out and campaigning and meeting people and COVID has been really hard. So what I've noticed and I don't know if it's the same for other political parties is everybody is contacting me even from Longford going, can we come up and help? Because we all just want to get out and knock on doors and meet people. So, yeah, like elections are great. But do you, you know, you recognize that like people who are at an advantage if they have like, a, uh, if they're super duper embedded in the constituency and have, you know, been around the block there for years, they tend to have a better advantage, right? It didn't work for me in Kerry when I lived there for 10 years. <laughs> for election, so. Fair. If this by-election is going to be a referendum on how the government are handling housing, what do you think is the solution? Obviously, it's a constituency that has uh, rights and apartments uh, being vulture funded, etc. How do you solve a problem like Maria? I th just I think with housing that the problem is everybody's just been tinkering around the edges and just trying to work within what has been sort of the policy on housing for decades now, which is to move away from local authorities providing housing instead of what we would have seen in the history of the state going back, even when we were on our knees as a country, to be building good quality public housing and building good communities. So I think if you don't accept 
that we have to actually fundamentally change how we view housing, that housing is not like an asset, that it's, it's a public good, um, then I don't think you're ever going to achieve, even if you've got the best intentions in the world, you're not going to achieve the change. So that's where it has to start. You have to accept that. And then you have to provide the funding to the local authorities to start building the public houses on public land. And that's how you address the supply issue, but also the affordability, whether that's for rental or uh, affordable purchase. Um, even though other parties were also at it, do you think it's bad practice and erodes public trust for political parties or people they hire to be posing as pollsters? Yes. And it's amateur hour. Yes. Does the sun always shine in California? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Um, no, I, I, I've sort of I spent most of my life growing up in Tala and it's, I love it. I love Tala and I just I suppose I love the fact that, you know, <sighs> how you were treated going to school and secondary school, like I, everybody had to go outside of Tala because there were no feeder schools and you know, you were just treated differently because you were from Tala. And that's sort of, I suppose, something that politicizes you then, even though you might be conscious of it as a teenager, that it just, it, it kind of comes with you then through the rest of your life that, you know, why should where you're from decide how you're treated or how you're viewed by society. So like, it, like sticks with me when probably was about 12 or 13 when someone said the school's gone to the dogs since they let the Tala ones in. You know, and that's just something that just sticks with you. So, yeah, it's Tal is great. Which do you think is the best gig and which would you prefer? MEP, Senator, TD? Never been a TD, so I don't know about that one. Um, They're different. They're different kettles of fish. You know, Uh, I missed being an MEP. I probably got very kind of low and depressed about six or seven months after losing my seat because but you weren't doing anything really do you know what I mean and whereas you sort of had gone from this really fast-tracked life of and getting really into policy and well no one pays attention to what you're doing out there you feel like you're making a difference (laughs) and yeah so I I missed that because it was really policy focused but then I suppose in the Shannon's there's more attention on what you are doing by the media and that then I suppose allows you to kind of I suppose lift whatever work it is that you're doing and reach a, a broader audience so they're both very different but yeah I, the Shannon is, is a weird kettle of fish I have to say it's 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 an odd place but um in but what no, way I, I suppose just the narrowness of the electors do you know I mean so it's yeah like you you have to come to terms with the fact that you're in a in a institution that very few people have a vote in you know and then when there's a by-election even fewer people have a vote in so you have to be conscious of that and then how do you ensure that those voices that aren't able to vote are still being heard in the Shannon and that it's not just a house for you know elites to get up and talk about middle class issues so yeah so that's how I'd be conscious of it but it does give you a better platform because more people pay attention to what you're doing in domestic politics whether that's a, a good thing or a bad thing. Which candidate from one of the main parties running do you think is least deserving of a seat in the Dublin Bay South by election? Well, that's harsh. <laughs> Way harsh, Ty. Way harsh. But, well, no, actually, it's, I suppose it's easy. Just embarrassed. Fair. Um, yeah, we should have excluded that one because that's what everyone's going to go for. Okay. Um, what is your idea of perfect happiness? Oh. 
depends on the time of the year. If it's the summer, being out in my garden, just pottering about. And if it's the winter, then just spending the day in the kitchen cooking. I just, I'm a bit of a home bird. So while I love getting out and meeting people campaigning, I also like to close the door and not talk to people. <laughs> I can separate very clearly that or sitting and having a pint of Guinness in a bar, which I miss. How would you have approached the Portobello Plaza situation? I just, I, I'm fascinated by, I suppose, the way the, the whole thing was handled, not just Portobello Harbour, and it's just that that idea of public spaces. And I just think it's it, it came under the focus during COVID, but it's a much broader issue. Like we, you know, you kind of say, why can't we have nice things too? We all go to cities and we all love the public spaces that you see in cities, but we don't see it in Ireland. And it's like, you know, you should have public spaces available for people to use publicly. Toilets are an essential part of that. Bins are another essential part of it. But equally, it shouldn't all just be about alcohol. You know, public spaces should just be for people just to hang out and be in a public realm. And I always remember going to Ghent um, after losing my seat and sitting in it. It was a little, I'm saying that it's not all about alcohol, but there was a little bar in a park and the menu on the thing, and it was beside the bandstand. And it said, you know, that this is funded through, they have a special fund where the local people in that local authority area get to decide every year what they want to do with a certain percentage of the, the local authority fund. And they use it for the bandstand. So they decide what the bandstand is for, whether it's yoga, whether it's different musicians, whether it's different artists. The bar is funded by that as well. So I obviously to pay for your drink. But I just thought, God, why can't we do that? Why can't we allow communities to decide how their public spaces should be run and, and provide them for public people? So, yeah, I just think the Port of Bell Harbour was just a, a symptom of a bigger problem, which is, with this, you know, the authorities in Ireland don't think we could be trusted with public things. Finnegal attacks Sinn Féin a lot and that's kind of continuing in this by-election. Why do you think they persist with this tactic when it's pretty clear that it doesn't work well? I presume it works well for their base. Um, I don't think they're stupid. I think, you know, they're a sophisticated operation. They obviously do focus groups. They do their own research. So maybe it does appeal to the 30% or whatever who are represented by Fianna Gael. Um, for me, I just, I don't like negative politics. I think it's important to just set out your own stall. And if you're, you know, trying to throw dirt, then it's more than likely that it's, you don't have any substance to what it is that you're offering. So I just try and steer away from it. So when I get tagged on Twitter or whatever for negative stories trying to draw me in, you just to try and stay out of them. But I, I presume they've done some sort of research. What's your greatest fear? Um, it's very specific. <laughs> <laughs> Being trapped in a cave where I can't bring my head up above the water. And it goes back from, I think, seeing a film as a kid when I was too young probably to see it and I got trapped in a drawer as well as a kid so it's a combination of both of those things if I can't bring my head up it's terrifying so that's my biggest fear no no caving for me that's that's very specific and <laughs> now I'm scared of it so thanks for that um we all know why Sinn Féin does well in the polls amongst younger people um or well I mean most people know know, know why um specific to uh, particular issues and also to kind of a general changing of the guard and whatnot. But why do you think um, Sinn Féin has been polling well with people upwards of 35, 40? 
I think it's a combination of things. I think housing has started to filter up and filter up both the age dem- and the socioeconomic demographics because it's just getting worse and worse. So in 2014, I was saying, Jesus, housing is the biggest issue that's coming up on the doors. But it was about local authority housing and access and people saying, you know, where I'm on the list 15 years or 16 years. It's now... I suppose that demographic then of people who are in their 20s who want to leave home and want to be able to privately rent or, you know, in their mid to late 20s who don't want to be sharing anymore. Um, so then that they're affected. And now I think it's the cohort of people who are saying, well, I, you know, I want to buy my own home or I want my kids to be able to buy their own home like them. So I think that it's a combination of that in terms of, of the housing. But I also think that, like, I've spoken to, to people who had never been Sinn Féin voters who are saying we don't like the way society is going in Ireland we don't like this that sort of neoliberal approach to things that we you know Ireland is better than that and we believe it can organize itself better than that and you know and have good public services so I think there's just a shift you know and that and that it's a slow process but it's a combination of all of those more and more people are being impacted by the way we were running the country for years do you really like all the weird food on folks Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what is you, your, Oh, go on. No, no, we just, we, we buy, bond over weird foods. Great. <laughs> what is your greatest extravagance? My greatest extravagance? It's probably plants. That's really boring, but I do love, like, I love gardening. I just, yeah. Probably that. I'd happily go off to the garden centre and spend way too much money. It's probably the only shops I like going to. What's but what? Which plants have been doing well for you over the past in this summer? Uh, I've gone veg wise. I've uh, kind of yeah. I, I went down that road during the pandemic. I have a very small little garden um, where we rent, but I've siphoned off a portion of it to grow veg since last year. So I've broad beans and peas and potatoes and tomatoes and herbs going yeah very good i'm a bore <laughs> not at all i've been doing the same what's your greatest regret um i don't really regret things i have i'm a big fan of edith piaf and that's uh, the song of you know you don't regret stuff like learn from us so i've made lots of mistakes you know but i kind of think that if you regret them then it's sort of like things ha- have happened you know so like I probably regret a relationship I was in in Kerry for too long but if I hadn't stayed in Kerry for that long and hadn't moved back to Dublin at the time I did then I probably wouldn't be in the relationship I'm in now so I kind of just think things happen for a reason so it's best not to regret them but just sort of learn from them. What's the path to making sure the National Maternity Hospital is secular? Um, oh, I think definitely, I suppose, just donating the land to the, the state publicly and having the public ownership of it and a secular approach to, to running it. Um, but yeah, I don't think there's any place for religion in our, in our healthcare. When all the restrictions are lifted soon, hopefully, describe your perfect post-pandemic night out. My post-pandemic night out. Oh, you see, for me, it would be going to a Dublin match and then going for a pint of Guinness afterwards. 
that's I'm I'm not a big clubber. I would kind of I prefer to perch up a bar and solve the problems of the world in a snug than uh yeah. So probably going to the GAA and then going to to Bows or the confession box afterwards and having a couple of pints. Excellent. What talent would you most like to have that you don't already have, I suppose, is the caveat to that one? Probably to be able to speak a language. I'd love to be able to speak Irish properly. Um, yeah, I'm not good at languages, but I'm always jealous of people who can speak lots of languages. Uh, you obviously enjoy canvassing, especially post-pandemic, but what's the meanest thing anyone's ever said to you on the doors? Oh, I've had lots of things said like this. There's <laughs> too many to. <laughs> yeah, no, I've had lots of mean things like, yeah, leaflets ripped up in my face and thrown at me. Uh, probably, I suppose the most abusive stuff is all that George Soros conspiracy stuff. Do you know I mean that's kind of come about more recently? So I can handle the anti Sinn Fein. That's fine. Do you know I mean people have their opinions and, and they can express them? But I, but yeah, the the stuff around kind of anti-refugees and yeah that kind of conspiracy stuff that's pretty nasty you know people stopping you on the street and accusing you of being a globalist and shill or whatever yeah what do you think is the constituency's most underutilized asset or unrealized potential the Dublin Bay South constituency yeah I think it's just the, the public spaces. I think we just need and the public spaces being opened. So like the park's closing early, whereas I suppose, I mean, if you want to be able to access the parks and just sit in them, especially in the summer evenings, you, you know, the canal is probably not utilised enough, do you mean, as a, as a public space? Um, so, yeah, I just think it again goes back to that point I was saying. We need to give communities ownership of their public spaces and to decide how they'd like to see their public spaces organized and that's you know working together with businesses but it should be community-led what's the trait you most deplore in other people um sort of the cynicism which i think you know and just and just dishonesty i think is the the biggest thing because you see a lot of it in politics so you just see people who are just fundamentally dishonest um, and that's something that annoys me. So I don't mind if people have different views or different policies or, but if they're just lying, uh, that really bothers me. Yeah. You know, and, and what's even worse is they'll go in and kind of perform in a chamber and say things and then try and be really nice to you outside. I know there's a part of it, politics is, there's a part of it, theatrics, but then there's just deeply cynical dishonest politics where it's like no I'm not gonna be your friend you know you just abused me personally in the chamber so yeah I really dislike that in politics there's a lot of chat um for years about local government reform it's kind of come up again with people expressing their disappointment with regards to how Dublin City Council in particular has handled certain aspects of the public realm um etc during the pandemic what do you think is the root to really I mean the word meaningful is really but like actual local government reform when it seems to be you know such an overarching or 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 kind of one of those issues that's so big that nothing kind of gets done like Shannon the reform or something what do you think we need to do that to take the steps to reform local government I think a start is the directly elected mayor 
I think that is a step in the right direction. But like we have probably the most centralized government in, you know, of any EU country. And what I love about a directly elected mayor is they can set out a vision for a city. So we find that in local government politics, and that's natural because you have to get reelected, but local councillors will be very reactive to local issues. And you don't have somebody with a vision for the entire city. Um, Jimmy and can set out that vision and plan, you know, well, what does it mean for good public transport to mean and pedestrianisation and, and a vision rather than it being sort of piecemeal. So I, I would love to see the directly elected mayor and then you can, I suppose, elect somebody on the that like what is their vision for the future of Dublin um, and then you just need to give more powers to to councillors councillors need to be paid properly I mean there's lots of abuse of politicians and most politicians are overpaid but councillors aren't they're paid really poorly and um, they probably have the hardest job of all it's 24 hours a day they're dealing at the cold face of, of housing issues so I think there's there's an element of that that you you, you pay them better but you give them more responsibilities um, you know, and more powers. But it, start, it starts with the directly elected mayor, I think would be a huge step because then people will realise, you know, that idea of local government and it's a very different beast to, to central government. And it's, you know, it's about your, your community and your space. Would you not say the chief executive has the, the role of having the vision and having that at the moment? No, because they're not directly elected. They're not elected on that of setting out do you mean it, it fine if we chief executive was was going to be held in a public interview and then we go and we decide who it is but no i mean the chief executive is just a boss you know i might have a very different view of, of what a city should be whereas at least a, a directly elected mayor is someone that the, the public engage with the people who live in the city um, get to pick and then they also get to i suppose punish them if they're not happy with how they delivered you get to remove them and and put somebody else in so no I just I think it's really really important that we have that sort of democratic oversight of our local authorities and just broaden it out from the very narrow constituency based which I'm not giving out about councillors doing that but that's sort of the way we run our local authorities now. What's your favourite song to dance to? At the moment it's CMOS I want to be a cowboy but uh uh, I'm also a big Dolly Parton fan, so it depends, depends on my mood. But yeah, CMAS at the moment, I kind of have on playing on a loop. A lot of people refer to Dublin Bay South as Fine Gael Heartland. Do you think that's true in 2021? There's definitely a strong vote there for Fine Gael, but I think that there's a lot of communities that are sort of left neglected on that basis then that you know people sort of go well it's just Fianna Gael and like there's a lot of working class and, and lower middle class communities there that are probably not represented but like my message and whether that's in the gen in a by-election a general election whether it's a referendum it's key for people to go out and vote and using your vote is so important and that's the message I've always had especially going into to working class communities or when you're talking to younger people there's a reason why you know pensioners get protected more than students there's a reason why those areas get services and your area doesn't get services because politicians follow where the votes come from um so i i, I think dublin Bay said yes of course it's it's a strong fina gale but there's a huge cohort of people there's 50 percent of renters in that constituency are they being represented by fina gale no but they have to come out and vote they have to register to vote it also has very low turnout so yeah people if you don't like this government and get registered you still have time and you can do it online Dublin City Council is one of the few places you can do that 
Which living person do you most admire? Eric Cantona. <laughs> I was going to try and come up with something very profound, but now it's Eric. <laughs> Which Sinn Féin politician do you most admire? Hmm. There's quite a few I like. Um, I should say that, shouldn't I? I'm in the party with them. <laughs> uh, I really like Louise O'Reilly. Um, I think she's great. And I think that when there's a lot of talk, when people go, you know, about working class TDs, they never, ever look at Sinn Féin when they talk about, you know, people who've been elected to the doll and are working from working class backgrounds. And I think Louise O'Reilly, you know, she did great work and she's in health. She's now a great advocate for, for workers' rights. Um, she was a great uh, campaigner with myself on repeal. So, yeah, Louise O'Reilly probably be big fan girl which non Sinn Féin politician do you most admire a lot of admiration of these questions yeah I'm gonna go with the one that a lot of people say which is probably Catherine Connolly yeah. every time every time it's <laughs> Catherine Connolly <laughs> I, I mean Alice Mary Higgins is great in the Shannon as well like we work very closely together and I'm just always in awe of her ability to remember details and to where she gets the time to be able to talk on every single topic and talk with knowledge so they'd probably be the two. If you could pick one Irish politician who you would like to never work in politics again, who would it be? There's a lot of shade in these questions, Andrea. <laughs> uh, I, I think oh, I'm going to get into trouble for this one. Leo Radker. I, I just think he has fed a, a nasty discourse around that welfare cheats and people who get up early in the morning and, you know, the free houses. And, and he's doing it to, to talk to a very specific base. But, yeah, I just think it, it's really divisive and not helpful. Um, and it feeds the, the rise of the far right of that idea of, you know, people taking our houses away. I just, yeah, I just, I don't like that style of politics. If you could change one thing about yourself, what would it be? Just a lot. It'd probably be more, I don't know. Um, I don't know. Um, there's a lot of things that would change. Uh, probably, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I honestly, I don't know what I would change. I'd probably exercise more, be healthier lifestyle. What would be your last meal? I do like my food. Um... It depends on how I'm feeling. I do love fish, but equally, if I'm feeling sorry for myself, then a big place of meatballs and pasta with loads of garlic bread and grated Parmesan cheese, the ultimate comfort food. So yeah, it would depend on how I was feeling, but if it's my last meal, I'd probably be feeling fairly depressed. So we got to go for the meatballs. <laughs> <laughs> and it's your 32nd question. Go for it, Andrea. Okay, Why, what do you think sets you apart from the other candidates running in Dublin Bay South? Uh, or why should people who may be on the fence about you? This is your sales pitch. Let's go. 
I, I think in this in the by-elections are very different to general elections and I think it allows people it, and that's why it was as you said at the start this this could be a referendum on the government so people who might be on the fence or who might not vote Sinn Féin if you if you want to send that very very strong message to the government that you're not happy with the way things are then I think it is a huge opportunity for people because this election could make a huge difference it would I suppose put Leo Radker's leadership under real pressure um, but it would also have the possibility of trying to shift a change in direction around how they are approaching the, the housing crisis so that that's and I, I know that's not a pitch for me but I, I just think it's was reaching out to people and going you have that opportunity who's who's the best person to give Leo Radker the I suppose, wipe the smile off his face. Um, and I, I believe that would be a Sinn Féin candidate. And that's why I'm asking people, I suppose, wouldn't normally even consider voting for us to, to maybe just give it that consideration. Lynn Boylan, those were your 32 questions.